Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is live, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now on to the show. Moving Iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving Iron time and time again. Good morning and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Market Rundown with Sean Hackett. Sean, how are you doing this morning? I'm really good, Mr. Casey. Really, really good. Good deal. Well, we, we've asked for it and sometimes you have to be careful what you ask for, but we got the volatility in the market that we're looking for now. So we've got we got volatility all over the place, whether it's corn and beans or whether it is a in the cattle and hog markets or wherever it might be. All the markets right now are, are uh, you know, they start up, they ramp up in the day. Like I just got my alert today. Um, corn, November corn's up, or December corn's up three and a half. Kind of did something similar yesterday where it started down three, almost three and a half, and finished up uh, down a quarter uh, at the end of the days. And, and it'd be interesting to see what the day does because on Monday it kind of did something similar where it started up, but it finished down. So you're starting to see that across the way. I got to think that the uh, the weather is, is starting to creep into the market now, and they're starting to have a little bit of concern. Well, we had this incredible bearish um, sentiment that's been developed ever since the USDA, you know, came out with their quarterly grain stocks and the acreage, and everyone's just been just all over the place bearish. Uh, the markets and the funds just piled on shorts. Uh, but this weather that we've been talking about now for weeks that no one's cared about we're starting to move to the point where you know you, you no longer can ignore it. So, for example, in corn, uh, you know the next two weeks of weather look absolutely horrendous um, for the the south, the center of the country. We have this stagnant pattern where Gulf moisture is just being pumped in, and is it's not going to change. And so, we're going to get into the middle of May, and only between based on our estimate, thirty to fifty percent of the crop corn crop is going to get planted. By mid-May, when we look back to 1980, about there's only three other years where we were in this zone uh, for corn, and yields in those three years were down seven and a half percent below trend, down 17 percent below trend, and down 22 percent below trend. So what this is saying is not only are we going to lose acres, but 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 when you start not getting corn planted by mid-May, uh, we we have some pretty clear evidence that we're looking at yields that are going to be um, impacted. And so rain makes grain uh, is, is not actually true when, when, corn can't, can't, when corn can't get planted by mid-May. And, and, you know, looking out beyond mid-May, it still doesn't look very good, Casey. It, 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 it yeah. does not look good to the end of May. And on the northern tier, colder than normal temperatures are expected all the way through this month. Those soil temperatures, especially in North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, where they plant a lot of corn, I mean, it's going to be, forget the rain, you know, even if it's drier up there, you know, the, the, the soil temperatures are a problem. So the corn market, you know, really, I think is at a point where it's going to continue to ratchet up so long as that kind of a forecast remains in place. And every week's going to continue to escalate because we're talking about losing at least several million acres, if not more. And thinking about even if it's a 5% below trend line yield, which would be below the three uh, 1983, 1993, and 1995 that I mentioned, but a 5% below trend with 2 million less acres 
with the demand we see now, and we're talking about uh, 900 million bushel carryout, a billion bushel carryout, 800 million bushel carryout, depending on how you want to work the numbers out. I mean, that's not $8 corn. It's not 360 corn. You know I mean? It's, it's well into the four kind of corn, depending upon what's going on with the dollar and all kinds of other things. So, so the corn market's in clear and present danger now, and the funds are up to their eyeballs short, and the algorithms may get caught hitting buy on the equal sign of the algorithm, and then they all come rushing in. So we really think that could start uh, impacting uh, other markets as well, because um, you know if, if if the shorts lose a lot of money in corn, then they cover their wheat position, they cover their uh, cattle position, you know, they start covering everything because they're losing a lot of money. So, yep. yep. So <clears throat> on that point, if you take a look at what's happened with uh, cattle over the last couple weeks, there's been easily kind of slowing into a more volatile trading period. And I mean, there for a minute last week on Friday, corn had a pretty bad or corn cattle had a pretty rough week. And um, it's really starting out to kind of be that volatility is starting to creep back in there again when we look at that market. So again, what you start, what you just talked about, the volatility that we're seeing in the corn market, just because of the way the funds and, and where they're based at, we're seeing that volatility take place. What do you see happening with cattle for the rest of the week, and and how do you see that shaping up? Well, we we, we got a, just a complete liquidation event uh, by long speculators in in cattle, which you know. The, so so what happened is we the the last two weeks, commodities been under tremendous pressure. And the last man standing were longs in the live cattle market, the feeder cattle market, and in the hog market. Everywhere else, they were short. And I think they finally capitulated last week because they, they just said, you know, everything's falling around us. We're just going to take some chips off the table. And we got this, you know, what was viewed as a terrible weekly export report where, you know, we had almost no pork exports at all. China didn't buy anything. And so it set the hog market down and it just, it caused a liquidation event. So that's happened now, but we're now about an area where uh, we feel that's over. And, and we think that the market's going to start digging its heels in um, and start working its way back up, especially if the, if we get the grain market shorts getting, getting nervous, you know, they'll also get, uh, um, you know, more interested in, 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 in maybe there's an opportunity to go along the, the cattle market after, uh, you know, as you said, a pretty rough week last week. So we're pretty optimistic. We're going to be looking at some better pricing later this week. And, um, you know, the African swine fever thesis hasn't gone away, but we can get these short-term volatility dislocations. That's an opportunity depending on what side you're on. So, yeah. So I would, I would be, I, I promised I wasn't going to talk about any China stuff on here until we had something happen, but the, the, I have to, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the statement that was made here uh, a day or two ago. And basically it was, we're going to have a deal done at the end of the month, irregardless of if it's, we go back to the tariffs or if we go back to some sort of, uh, or move forward with some kind of deal with China. So that also stirred up the markets pretty good too. Well, I mean, I think, I think, and, and Mulvaney said this, Trump said this, um, uh, pretty much everyone is saying that the, the, the period of negotiation is coming to an end, meaning this perpetual every month we're going to continue to, I think what everyone is, that is saying is this month is it. Either we get it or we don't. And obviously, you know, the market doesn't want to hear that we don't. They don't want to hear that we might not get one. I mean, it doesn't mean we won't get one, but, but when you move to that, definitive it's either happening or not you know anxiety kicks in and that creates greater volatility and so uh obviously with that in place now 
The words of Mnuchin, the words of Lighthizer as these negotiations are happening in Beijing this week, and apparently they'll be coming over next week, will be, I, I think they're going to start trading this now because now they know we're moving to the end point one way or the other, whereas they weren't trading it the last month or two. They're going to start trading it again. And for a market like soybeans, for example, you know that could create some gyrations there um, more so than other markets because of how important a trade deal would be for that market to get uh, get some demand, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, so cotton is the other thing that's uh, I've been watching pretty closely here of late, and and you're seeing more cotton acres obviously getting planted right now just because of the uh, uh, the ability to make money on that crop in yeah. the south where they're displacing a lot of corn acres and even some soybean acres for that matter. But on the flip side of that it is definitely wet um, in, in that area, and they're having a hard time getting that in. At what point do you feel like cotton is going to start seeing that that? that price decline down that we've seen this right up over the past three, four years of cotton down from its, its dismal lows of 50, 60 cents. Now we're, now we're getting up in the seventies and, and, and really starting to see some good, some good numbers. I mean, how, how much longer can that, can that scale kind of tip towards profitability? Well, I mean, we really felt that when the market got caught off guard, when the USDA said that the uh, planning intentions were going to be down, the market said, all right, we got, we got, that's unacceptable. We got to get that up. And so they moved the market up. And, and so they're trying to monitor, are we going to, you know, is this wet weather in Texas and the deep South, is that going to, you know, uh, hinder that potential or, or are we still going to be able to get it done? You, know, you can get cotton planted a little later than corn and still be okay with it. So we're not at the moment of truth yet. Like corn, we are moving rapidly to the moment of truth in mid-May. But I, I would say that you know, if if the market believes it's gotten enough cotton acres in despite the wet weather, you know, mid-May would be the longest we could hold this market up before it would have to you know give in. And we're really worried about demand for cotton. We talked about this before, and on, on you know with with you on on these podcasts uh, because we we're really concerned about uh, the global economy, the slowing economy. Uh, and, and cotton being a very economically sensitive market. And so we think that uh, that's going to start taking more front and center so long as the market feels enough acres have gotten planted. And we think given the price of cotton, you know, they're going to do everything they can to get enough in the ground to make it work. So we we think we're at a pretty important juncture where the cotton market can start to turn down pretty aggressively, um, you know, maybe in the next week or two. Yeah. That, that what your sentiments there ring pretty true if you take a look at what's happened with some uh, some of the quarterly reportings that we've seen come out from Apple and Amazon and uh, Google and those kind of companies where they're missing the mark. They're, they're, and it's the first time they've missed a quarter in a long time. And, Google, uh, you know, Google, you know, a huge miss on revenue. You know, I think it was down 5% overnight trade a couple of days yeah. ago. Um, you know, PMIs, you know, the purchasing managers index in Europe and in China and in Japan, you know, you know, under 50, which means in sort of contraction mode. I mean, these are not the kind of things the cotton market wants to see, you know, because cotton is uh, and, and clothes are, is a discretionary item. And we need to, of course, have clothes, but we don't necessarily always need to be buying clothes. We can just pull back when we're a little concerned. And so we're really worried about that. And, and so we think that's going to be a more important driver once we get this planting concern out of the way, which we should over the next week or two. So. Yeah. Yep, and every other art, every other news article I read or, or listen to on the TV, it's is a uh, you know, we we just missed this recession. You know, we're just we're just missed it. We just missed it, and everything. Well, if you just miss the recession, there's going to be some going to be a little hangover there somewhere. That's gonna it's gonna cause some trouble. So it's it's uh it, that that's my concern with the cotton market as well. 
Yeah. So, so you know, I mean, we're, we're, we're fairly constructive on grain markets because of this weather um, pattern that's developed um, and the possibility of a positive outcome for, for trade. But on cotton, we're, we're distinctly bearish this market. We really don't see a lot. You know, we think if we were looking for an important low in the cotton market, we might be looking for it post-harvest fourth quarter of this coming year when we think we factor in you know, this demand side problem, probably, you know, increased production everywhere in the world. Everyone's, you know, India's going to have increased acres. China's going to have increased acres. Um, we think that might be a more important place to look for an important low, not now. So. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, Sean, plenty of stuff going on. And if, if folks want to reach out to you and, and pick your brain or kind of get an idea of where you think things are headed, how would they do that? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. All kinds of videos, podcasts, webinars, sample reports for them to take a look at what we do to see if our, you know, our services might be of interest to them. Right on. All right, Sean, take care of yourself and uh, have a good rest of the day. We'll talk to you again next week. And Sean and I are actually going to do a podcast here. We're going to record it on Friday, but we're going to put it out next week. And it'll be kind of talking about some what he sees happening with uh, some sun activity and how that's going to affect the weather uh, moving in uh, long term uh, down the road. So, Make sure you guys check out Global Ag Network and uh, go there and, and get all the different content that's out there on the podcast world. And until then, Sean, have a good one. We'll talk to you next you, week. You too. Look forward to it. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast, now part of the Global Ag Network. If you'd like to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. You can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel and watch Market Roundup with Chip Nellinger, Sean Hackett, and Angie Setzer. Also, Tax News with Glenn Birnbaum. Please visit movingironllc.com. Here you can find information, details, and updates for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, and globalagnetwork.com. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour. Out. In the 21st century Hard-working people Working hard for you and me Moving higher Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving